This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go, and that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Welcome to Mom and Mind, where we dive into all aspects of perinatal mental health and wellness related to conception, pregnancy, birth, loss, postpartum, and new parenthood. We raise the volume on these topics in hopes that someday everyone will have the support and information that they deserve before they need it. Please note this podcast is not a replacement for treatment by a professional or professional training. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about one of the more unknown complications of breastfeeding that really impacts the mood of a breastfeeding person. It's called DMER, D-M-E-R. And what I've come to find out is that, right, like I said, not many people know about this, but certainly when it happens to you, you kind of just don't know what's going on. It's super disorienting. So Heidi is going to tell us about it, what it is and what it isn't, and some things that, what it might mean for you and some things that you can do if DEMER is happening to you. And we'll go into a little bit more detail about what DEMER is, but it stands for dysphoric milk ejection reflex. And it's this really fascinating thing that happens in the body during breastfeeding. And Heidi's going to tell us all about it. Heidi is a psychotherapist in private practice in Redmond, Washington. She specializes in perinatal mood disorders, birth trauma, sexual abuse, and parent adjustment issues. Heidi has been the Washington State Coordinator for Postpartum Support International and volunteered for over 20 years with Perinatal Support Washington. She served as a past board member for PATCH, the Prevention and Treatment of Traumatic Childbirth, And Heidi is active in leading trainings for clinicians on appropriate assessment and treatment options for perinatal mood disorders and birth trauma. She leads monthly clinical consult groups for mentoring mental health care providers to develop their competency and expertise in perinatal mental health issues. Heidi was a co-founder of the Northwest Association for Postpartum Support, a postpartum doula organization. She was also the recipient of the Doulas of North America Penny Simpkin Doula Spirit and Mentorship Award. Prior to her psychotherapy career, she was a postpartum doula and certified lactation educator for 12 years. So let's welcome Heidi. Welcome, Heidi. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks so much for having me, Kat. Yeah, I am very excited to talk about this topic today, Deemer, and for you to explain to us what it is 
And for those who are listening to be able to kind of identify this either for themselves or a friend or if a therapist is working with a mom, um, really looking forward to giving this information to them so they can know what to look out for. So what I'd love to do is start with you and a little bit more about what you do in your work. Yeah, thanks. I am a mama, uh, first and foremost, but I also work as a perinatal mental health therapist in the Washington, Seattle metro area. And I have also have a background training as a certified lactation educator and used to work as a postpartum doula back in the day. So I've been helping moms mind, body, breast, (laughs) so to speak, in a lot of ways. That's such a great combination. I sort of, you know, hope someday I can have that kind of training as well, just to understand as many aspects of this as possible from those different disciplines. So I think the training that you've had just puts you in such a great position to be able to just more holistically, more fully understand what's going on with a mom. Absolutely. Yeah. Because so often they're coming in for postpartum pregnancy counseling, but there's a lot that goes on with their body with birth and breastfeeding. And I'm so glad to draw upon my years of service and those training fields that a lot of therapists, I don't think have that background. So it's been incredibly useful. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I'll put that on my list of goals. (laughs) Someday be trained in all of those things too. But for now we get to pick your brain and understand a little bit more about DEMER. Can you tell us what that even is? Yeah, absolutely. DEMER is this very often not even talked about or misunderstood phenomenon that's not typically common, but it's not uncommon either. And DEMER stands for dysphoric milk ejection reflex. And there's a great website for a go-to resource online. That's www.d-mer.org. And if anyone needs to, after this podcast, go look for some more resources. That's a great one-stop shop. Yeah, sure. I'll also include that in the show notes for people to be able to click on. So what happens? What is DEMER and and what is this all about? Yeah, so DEMER, this dysphoric male cojection reflex is, it's usually a phenomenon that women experience just when their milk onset is starting to let down. Usually, typically in the first 30 seconds to maybe two minutes on the average, just as you're having that initial letdown. And it's a weird dysphoria or negative emotions. Some women, there's kind of mild, moderate to severe symptoms, not go over those, but it's just a strange phenomenon that women feel just in the beginning of the letdown. And then it usually subsides after a few minutes at the very most 10 minutes tops, but most average, it lasts for 30 seconds to two minutes at the start of a feeding And it can also happen if you have a subsequent letdown, say the baby's at the breast for 30 minutes and you have another letdown, another wave, you can have another wave of these kind of negative emotions. Let me just talk about kind of clarifying, what do I mean by negative emotions? Yeah. So on the mild spectrum, some women say it kind of feels like a pain, a sudden feeling kind of down. Some women describe it as a pit in their stomach, kind of a funk. They feel kind of bluesy, maybe feeling kind of hollow. Mm -hmm. The more moderate symptoms, which I find 
most of the women I experience that have this it has the more moderate symptoms and they describe it more as feelings of sadness or despondency, kind of dread, mm-hmm. dread or despair, kind of hopelessness. Some women feel agitated, nervous, angry, irritable. Mm-hmm. And then the more severe symptoms, which is really rare, but they have been noted. Some women have very fleeting thoughts of maybe a suicidal thought or just, I don't need to be here anymore or an urge for self-harm. But what's demarked is that these are incredibly fleeting, like two minutes or less, and then they're gone. Mm. And then the rest of the breastfeeding session and the rest of your day, you're feeling normal and typical. It's just during the milk letdown that is this interesting, bizarre phenomenon that a lot of people don't know about. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, as you're talking about it, I'm thinking of all of these kind of implications just for, well, what exactly is happening? Why is this happening? What is doing that? And then, wow, can whatever is doing that explain some of the other things that moms experience? Just more generally, I'm just assuming that there's some hormonal connection or some you know, I mean, obviously there's something going on biochemically in the body to create these sensations. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Yeah, totally. So let's talk about that biochemical. What is going on? So there hasn't been comprehensive studies across population series about it. But basically, what we do know, the science that we do know is they target and hypothesize two primary hormonal, biochemical, theoretical culprits, so to speak. And the most dominant Mm -hmm. theories are two different hormones, whether it's 
your dopamine system, that one, or your oxytocin, or maybe a mix of the two. And I can go in and talk to you about basically what we mean about all of that. And so kind of what the more recent, you know, Kathy Kendall Tackett and Dr. Kirsten Moberg spoke to well about this, about their belief about it being more oxytocin gone wrong kind of response. And the theory here with that hormonal system is oxytocin is one of the hormones that is released when we have a milk letdown. It's released at other times too, when Mm -hmm. we are in labor, contracting the uterus, when we have connection, faunus, it's the love hormone. It happens with sex and orgasm as well, but it's a really important Mm -hmm. hormone. We're breastfeeding and responsible for helping the milk let down. And so the timing of oxytocin and DEMER, that's why it's like, hmm, probably an oxytocin misfire maybe, or oxytocin gone wrong. If you think about it too, Mm -hmm. oxytocin, love hormone, mama hormone, papas have it too. But if you think about it from the theoretical culprit, maybe in the women with DEMER, it's kind of acting as a overactive mama bear response. So, and in some ways, Mm -hmm. the mama hormones are also responsible for protection of our babies. And maybe in the DEMER category, we're thinking perhaps it's having a hyperreactive response where it's gone a bit rogue. And so your mood has kind of overshot the mark, so to speak. And that's why potentially some women have maybe that okay. angry part, the nervousness, the irritability. And in fact, some women even describe when the DEMER Mm -hmm. response is happening as feeling maybe a bit paranoid, a bit jumpy, a bit nervous, like they're looking for a perceived threat. Mm -hmm. And so in this regard, Mm -hmm. it kind of matches up with the theory that maybe you're just having like a mama bear hormone gone wrong, kind of overprotective. Your chemical alert system is kind of the radar is misperceiving as red alert when there really isn't a red alert, but your wiring got kind of tweaked. Right. That's fascinating. Has there been any research that you know of that shows who's predisposed to this kind of to demer and misfiring? Or is it random? Unfortunately, all of demer is, there has been no population studies looking at who's more prone to it or not. It's just more a documented case phenomenon. So it's kind of interesting in that regard. Seems like that would be some good research to do then (laughs) for anyone out there who's a researcher. Yeah. The other system that they look at hormonally is the dopamine system because the dopamine is our feel good and a mood regulator Mm -hmm. hormone, neuroendocrine. And so some of the hypothesis is that there is an inappropriate dopamine activity at the time of the milk ejection reflex, perhaps a precipitous drop in dopamine levels. And there's been a little bit of some evidence that some women who take bupropion or Wellbutrin, which is a NDRI, a norepinephrine dopamine reuptake inhibitor, can find some benefit in relief from DEMER, but it's inconsistent across women. It doesn't work with all women but it does work in some women. So 
you know, Mm -hmm. as we go more into like, how do we treat this? That's one of the options for some women if they're having Mm -hmm. more severe end symptoms that are not responding to some of the other modalities that I can go over as far as how do we manage this? But the other thing I want to make the point that's kind of like a little bit more about DEMAR is that we notice that, you know, again, case by case, a lot of women notice that the DEMAR symptoms ease as the baby ages, but some women, there are this other cohort that experiences no change until they finally wean their babies from the breast. So it's kind of interesting. Some are in one category where the symptoms Mm -hmm. go away after a month or two, even it's early as that I've had, in fact, a a mom in my case, in my practice just this month, whose steamer only lasted a month. And then as the baby got older, she kind of aged out and her symptoms subsided. And then interestingly, again, other moms, and it makes you wonder, what is their oxytocin response? Some women notice more severe symptoms when baby's at the breast versus pumping and having a letdown while pumping. But then other women notice the symptoms are the same, mm-hmm. regardless of how they're getting their letdown, whether it's at with the baby at the breast or by pumping. So there's different variations, but I just want to kind of cover that range that mm-hmm. can happen. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think that's super important to note that there is a range. I'm thinking of, you know, somebody who's listening right now who maybe had this experience or is having it now and wondering if they fit in this category. Mm-hmm. I did, whenever you can note that there's a range that it might not look exactly like this, it may have some variation is really important. Because right. I'm thinking too, in terms of, gosh, what if a mom who is experiencing DMER is also dealing with anxiety or is also dealing with depression, how that could further impact them or what they might be thinking about themselves. You know, as we know, like the depression is already making people feel bad about themselves. How this like two things together at the same time, how difficult that could be. Absolutely. And, you know, it's important to delineate what DEMER is not. And DEMER is not a perinatal mood and anxiety disorder. It is limited merely to the milk ejection reflex. However, you can have it comorbid, meaning simultaneously, in addition to having a perinatal mood and anxiety disorder, such as postpartum depression or anxiety. We do know that DEMER is a little harder to control when there is a comorbid perinatal mood disorder going on, However, you know, it is some of the same things that would benefit any mom experiencing a perinatal mood disorder benefits moms with DEMER as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, That's good. Yeah. And a few other things is like DEMER is not nausea with a letdown or other physical manifestation. It's not a dislike of breastfeeding. It's not breastfeeding aversion. It doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong and it's never the mom's fault. It's mm-hmm. merely a biochemical misfiring, kind of hormone gone, very hypersensitive. And it's out of the mom's control. It's not her fault. But because there's this range also for a mom to know, you know what, if I just learn about it and do some things that my baby may age out of it, like my body might adjust and shift. So maybe I can hang in there and this will subside. But we also find, like, as far as just 
the treatment and how do we manage this issue is the number one thing is just to merely educate women, to name it for what it is so that they have an answer and that knowledge is power. And then they can attribute it to the right thing. Be like, oh, there's that thing. They told me it's Deemer and it's just comforting. And then they just kind of let the wave and they know this too shall pass. And with that answer, nine times out of 10, that's enough for women to cope and manage. It's like, we just need to attribute, like put it where it belongs, so to speak. Mm you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm thinking of how often I hear women saying who are dealing with a perinatal mood and anxiety disorder, tell me that they feel crazy, that they feel like they're losing their mind. And then to have this, like this really kind of rapid injection of more intensification of those symptoms with this deemer let down, uh, gosh, that would be so easy to misinterpret. Completely, especially because some of the symptoms are very depressive system, despair, despondent, hopelessness, or that anxiety, the nervous, but, and yeah. in some cases, kind of that paranoid feeling. So it could completely be confusing. But, you know, again, a perinatal and anxiety disorder happens, you know, all day, not just while, you know, like it's not timing just with the milk reflex right down but it can be confusing and being like wow dang i'm getting this you know feeling even worse when i'm nursing my baby and then the other thing is you know the brain does a lot of well what gets fired together gets wired together in the brain and so we do this association if every time we're nursing Mm -hmm. the baby we're dreading because we feel icky and down and bluesy but as long as we can know what it is, we then maybe can help with the association. And again, with some information, put it where it belongs and have some reframing in ways to tolerate and manage it a little bit better. Well, with the scenario you just described, kind of anticipating this difficult feeling and difficult experience, a mom potentially having anxiety about it or worry on some level about experiencing this feeling again, Especially if they're not sure what's going on. But I mean, maybe I can imagine too, if even if you do know what's going on, there's kind of like, okay, it's coming. You got to tuck yourself through it. Is that anything that you have seen? Yeah. And so sometimes they talk their way through it. And that's a little version of, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, <laughs> so to speak. But you know what? A lot of what I think some really right. basic, mm-hmm. again, going back to that concept of what gets fired together, gets wired together in the brain is sometimes we need to kind of going back on the theory that if it's an oxytocin culprit, if we can regulate her stress hormones and rewire her feelings around breastfeeding with some positive associations as opposed to the negative dread and association. And so some of the things, Mm. for example, some of the arenas of ways to mitigate and rewire this association is making sure that we do a lot of positive associations, such as positive touch. We know that skin to skin contact and massage, positive touch, it can have some anti-stress benefits and it soothes and kind of balances our stress response system. Mm -hmm. And in theory, we're kind of trying to help oxytocin Uh behave properly, kind of rewiring the neurobiology, so to speak. And so some of the ways is perhaps some women need maybe doing some infant massage 
or right before like a positive skin to skin interaction with their baby prior to breastfeeding, if that can be a way to rewire or other positive skin to skin exposures. We're kind of trying to have a corrective emotional experience in her wiring, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Ways, you know, taking baths together, other mm-hmm. good, soothing, skin-to-skin, positive touch. Now, this can, again, being mindful of the patient, depending on the patient, if they have a trauma history or have maybe sensory processing disorders herself, touch can be triggering. And so in this regard, oxytocin might be a response Mm -hmm. in a protective way for the mom as actually, yeah, yeah. As a way to be like, again, that Hmm, warning, warning, danger, you know, right. right. Right? And so sometimes we need to be really mindful about how we're approaching that sensitive to the mom's history and what she has going on for her there. But Other ways to Mm -hmm. promote, again, going back to that, is oxytocin, miswiring, doing a perceived threat alert system. If we can promote sense of safety and security in a woman's environment. So because some women get kind of, they might take, again, Mm -hmm. if the oxytocin is misfiring and if there's a perinatal mood and anxiety disorder, sometimes we have you know, the cognitive distortions where we take things the wrong way, we're sensitive to criticism, every little thing is setting us off. We might be annoyed that our Mm -hmm. partner didn't put the right clothes on the baby or diaper things the right way, or I'm sleep deprived, you know, know, brain's kind of seeing the world through magnified glasses if you're sleep deprived. So ways to help ease kind of that inflammatory response with the stress hormones, helping some of the basic things like getting the mom more sleep and doing good self-care, exercise, good hydration, good foods. Mm -hmm. And in fact, speaking from an anti-inflammatory model, we know that regulates the system. So eating well, where you maybe don't have spikes of insulin, blood sugar, levels. And so even recommending for some women with either a mood mm-hmm. disorder, a perinatal mood disorder, or DEMER benefits from potentially eating a more high protein, low carb diet in that as an anti-inflammatory soothing and regulating insulin and blood sugar. And that can help regulate maybe some of these overactive responses again. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so like you were saying this, that what you can do to help the deemer also helps in general. I mean, it sounds like these are good practices yes. anyways. Exactly. Uh. Exactly. Yes. We also know mindfulness can work and that's good with both a perinatal mood disorder or deemer, but doing things like progressive muscle relaxation, mm-hmm. body scans, doing a meditation, sometimes while nursing, it's a beautiful time to do a little meditation. And sometimes I lead moms Mm. through one, like say they bring their baby into session and they happen to be, have the opportunity to nurse their baby in the session. And I will kind of lead her through a mindfulness meditation while nursing the baby, sometimes noticing just with her five senses, what are you noticing as you're sitting here holding your baby? Do you hear the gulp? Do you notice the move of their jaw and that rhythmic 
swallow, swallow that tug on your breast? Are you noticing how your arms are cupping the baby? Just feeling that sensation of the weight in your arms. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. It's just a way to somatically kind of experience the moment and be in the here and now. And again, all of these things are ways to help cope with maybe this uncomfortable Mm -hmm. feelings that last for on the average about two minutes, and then it subsides with DMAR. So those are another way. Mm -hmm. I think those are fantastic points. And certainly if these are things moms can do on their own or have the support of a therapist or some type of guided meditation to do that, that stuff you can do in the moment is always so nice. Even if it's just a distraction from what you're anticipating feeling that that is so nice. So another thing that we can do that helps target like the dopamine system again, because we're not sure exactly which is the culprit or maybe it's an interplay of both the oxytocin and dopamine systems, but dopamine is our feel good hormone, you know? And so if we, Actually, if we can make the places where the mom is nursing, say she has some particular nursing stations around her house, a typical armchair or couch or bedroom that she nurses in, you know, it's interesting if we can make associations to that place that she's nursing aesthetically pleasing and having, again, positive experience that can increase her dopamine, just like bupropion would be actually the medicine, well, butrin. But if you can make your environment that you're nursing in aesthetically pleasing, this is different from the safety and soothing. This is actually oxytocin. This is targeting dopamine. So I kind of talk about it like make Mm. the space yummy for mommy, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And that can be like visually aesthetic, putting up like some eye candy for her. Like back when I... You know, when I was a postpartum doula back in the day, I would, you know, make a little visual altar. So like say a mom is often nursing in her bed or in an armchair, I would be like, I put flowers or a pretty picture or just, you know, some aesthetically pleasing things for her to look at that could actually be, you know, just enjoyable, but also a, maybe a focal point for meditation, etc. 
And I mean, let's face it, we're often really tired and sometimes our homes are chaotic in the first couple of months of breastfeeding and we're not necessarily on top of, you know, order and house chores, etc. But if we can make just a little visual, if a mom is a visual person, you know, not all moms are, but, you know, just a little eye candy and also making wherever she is nursing physically comfortable helps dopamine as well. So, you know, getting ergonomics right, getting foot support, like a footstool, Mm -hmm. getting the right cushion, back support, etc. That can really help. And interestingly, going back to dopamine, we often have an inhibition in the feel-good hormone when we're physically uncomfortable. So in getting our comfort, tending to mom's physical comfort, because we're often all about taking care of the baby, again, going Uh back to what works, we have to take care of mama too. And that can help cultivate the appropriate release of her dopamine system and encourage that to, again, rewire the brain and have a positive association. And that can help mitigate the DMER symptoms. That's awesome. I feel like there should be like a oxytocin dopamine makeover service that just comes into houses and (laughs) sets all of this up. I love that. I'm actually seeing a cartoon visual of somebody that's embodying the oxytocin and somebody in the dopamine cartoon roles and all of the yummy ways that they do that. Yeah. Somebody needs to get on that service and just start throwing it around to everybody. (laughs) Uh, Because I mean, these are really supportive things in general. Like, you know, I'm thinking sort of broadly in terms of, well, maybe very specifically in our culture here that we have to be really intentional to make these kinds of spaces. And in other cultures, it might be already sort of there on some level, considering the support and getting a mom into that kind of space. But, you know, we're in a position where we can think about this ahead of time. I mean, and the things that you're telling me now, I'm thinking, okay, there's some really cool preventative steps in this that we can think about beforehand to help mitigate any potential stuff. Not that this is all going to happen, but man, that sounds awesome to have this like sanctuary nursing spot. Absolutely. And the interesting thing is, you know, I mean, I'm hoping all the listeners are hearing this is good for every woman, not necessarily whether you have DMR or not. We can all use a boost in regulating our oxytocin and our dopamine systems. Yeah. It's just, we happen to be talking in the context of DMR, but everyone should be doing this. This is just good mom and baby self-care. Yeah. And again, I think it's one of those things that maybe this is true in all of perinatal mental health, but you don't necessarily think about this until you know about this. And, you know, using this from a preventative standpoint is just a good idea to, again, not that you're going to experience DEMER or perinatal mood or anxiety disorder. You might, but these are things that could help prevent it from worsening and help you cope if it does happen. Absolutely. Yeah. Like you said, I hope people are hearing that the possibilities here for everyone and very specifically people experiencing DEMER. Sure. And I also just wanted to say that most women find the symptoms of DEMER tolerable and they continue to breastfeed, but there are the few cases that it just is intolerable for mom and that's fair and fine. And some women, certain cases do decide to wean. Mm -hmm. The majority of women though can tolerate it. And with that appropriate understanding that education and ways to soothe and cope and manage, they hang in there and breastfeed just fine. 
Okay. So if, I'm assuming there are women who are having a hard time tolerating this. And you mentioned before that there's some medications that have found to be helpful in some situations. So those moms who find it intolerable, but want to continue, is that when you would suggest they try Wellbutrin or? Yeah, absolutely. Some women decide to try Wellbutrin or Bupropion is the generic. And that again is an NDRI, a norepinephrine dopamine reuptake inhibitor. Interestingly, like I said, it doesn't work for all women. It is kind of like a trial and error. If there is a comorbid perinatal mood and anxiety disorder going on, some women might benefit mm -hmm. from taking an SSRI as well to manage that. Even though DMER is not a perinatal mood anxiety disorder, we find that maybe getting some help with her serotonin mm -hmm. system as well can just sometimes make things more tolerable. That's fascinating. I'm thinking, you know, I didn't know a whole lot about this until I had some clients who were experiencing it and I had to look into it. And I'm assuming that most moms don't know that this could happen. Who could they seek out? What kind of supports are the most um, useful? Great question. Probably the number one person that would probably be the best resource is an IBCLC, so a lactation consultant, whomever is providing those services in their community, whether at the hospital or birthing center. Those are probably the number one people that know about it because I'm one of those therapists that has the additional breastfeeding certified lactation educator training. I know more about it, but a lot of therapists just don't know a whole lot about it unless you specialize with perinatal mental health, but probably a lactation consultant is your number one resource. Okay, great. Yeah, I'm assuming they can would be able, for the most part, to give supportive information or just kind of at least explain what's going on. Yeah. And obviously, if they did want to look into taking some medication, trying some Wellbutrin, for example, then they would need to speak to a psychiatrist, nurse practitioner, or their OBGYN or other healthcare provider that can prescribe. Okay. That's fantastic. So I will put up the resource that you mentioned in the beginning, the dmer.org for people to check out. And I will also put a link up to, you discussed Kathleen Kendall Tackett and the work that she's doing. I'll put a link up to that as well for people to get more information. And I thank you so much, Heidi, for coming on and teaching us about this and giving us more information and skills and tools so that we can recognize it if it does happen. Thank you so much for having me, Kat. It was a delight to join you this afternoon. Thank you. That's a really fascinating topic. I want to thank Heidi again for coming on and enlightening us and giving us this information. If you or somebody you know is dealing with this, you can go to www.dmer.org and get some information. Also, please connect with Heidi at HeidiCost.com. And as usual, connect with us on Facebook and Instagram or in our Mom and Mind Connection Facebook group. Thanks so much. Until next time. Thank you for joining us today. Please share this podcast. Together, we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Come connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Mom and Mind. 
feel like you're the martyr in your family, you're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.